morning, good morning. Welcome to TC online service this morning. My name is Leslie Frazier and I'm one of the elders here at True Center. Please join us, me in a word of prayer this morning. God, we thank you for this glorious day that you have made. We thank you, God, for being our strength, our redeemer, our refuge, and our very present help in the time of trouble. God, we are so grateful that it's your breath in our lungs that allow us to pour out a praise to only you this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for this time of supplication. We thank you, Lord God, for this time that you've given us to call upon your name. The time, Lord God, that we call you the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of our lives. We bless you in this atmosphere. We bless you, Lord God. Oh, we lift up your name, God. For all, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. We don't take it lightly or for granted, but we give you honor, glory, and praise, oh God. Some know you, Lord, as Lord God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our healer. Some know you as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Oh God, some know you, Lord God, as those names, but we know you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to enter into this presence, oh God, with us, Lord, and allow, Lord God, someone to transition from darkness to light this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that by the very word that is spoken today, that their lives will be conformed and changed to your will. We thank you, Lord God, that you're ever speaking and we're listening. Give us the ear to hear what you're saying in this hour. And we bless your name, O oh God, for, Lord, that transition. We thank you, Lord God, that many souls will be brought into your kingdom for such a time as this. And we glorify your name. We take this time and this opportunity, this pause that you've caused in the nation to give you glory, to honor you, to thank you, oh God, for you, Lord, care about us so much that you gave your only son, the begotten son, Lord God. And we thank you for this new life that we live. And we ask, Lord God, that you, Lord, sit with us and that we hear what the good shepherd has to say to us this morning. We thank you and we give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We give you praise this morning, Father, and we thank you. We thank Elder for the prayer. We are ready now to begin our morning worship in the area of communion. And if you have your elements with you, just let me share a few things with you this morning. Let me say a couple of things to you as a congregation. If you go with me to Genesis 14, I'm going to read a few verses from there and um, share a few things. 
After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. We have this beautiful picture of communion and tithing in this text. Abram returns from battle and is greeted by two kings. One, the king of Sodom, who, whose people Abram had rescued from battle. And we have this other king who's present, who brings wine and bread, symbols of communion. This was long before we were told what these symbols would symbolize in the New Testament. The king, we are told, in the New Testament was Jesus. A theophany, an appearance of God. That's what a theophany is. He often would show up in the Old Testament, make his appearance in various places. This is also confirmed in Hebrews 7. Jesus himself serving Abram communion and Abram giving Jesus his tithe. Today, both of those we continue, not out of obligation, but because our high priest is still alive, and so this never discontinued, but also because we have a better covenant built in better promises by one who is still our high priest. So communion and the giving of the tithe were never supposed to crystallize, but remain fresh reminders of our covenant of love. Abram was, he wasn't under law at that time. Law had not been instituted. But he was of the promise. He was given a promise. The same promise made to us who are saved under this new covenant promise made by Jesus, represented here as Melchizedek. And he said to us, as often as you come together, you do this in remembrance of me. Don't let it crystallize. Keep it fresh. Keep remembering what I did for you. And so this morning, as you get your cup, as you get your bread and your family are gathered around and your children, we honor God. We remember him. These things that he introduced to us long before they became legal laws, these are some things he wanted us to hold on to today as reminders and loving him out of them. We have a better covenant today built on better promises. We have a covenant that is so solid, it cannot be moved. It was ratified by his own blood. 
the blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us, removes all sin. We thank God that we have a God like this. So Father, we bless you with this bread, this cup, which are symbols of your love toward us. That was the intent that we would always be reminded of what you did, God, not out of obligation. So this morning, I am praying that this is not something that has crystallized in the hearts of your people, but let it become an act of love. And as often as they want to engage in it, he didn't say how many times, he said, as often as you do this, when you do it, just remember me. Remember what I did for you. So, Father, in this time of crisis, we are remembering what you did for us. We remember how you saved us. We remember how you delivered us. We remember, God, how you meet our needs. We remember, Lord, how our bodies were healed. We remember, Lord God, some of us were in darkness and today we're in light. Thank you, Lord God. Some of us today are educated and moved on in our lives. Those are things you blessed us with. May we never forget or think that we accomplished it in and of ourselves. And so today, this is a reminder of the covenant promise. And Lord God, thank you because you gave it to your body. And my prayer this morning, God, is that we don't partake of this with an ought in our heart against somebody else. May our hearts be free and that we have released any person that we have bound to ourselves by unforgiveness. Let us release people through forgiveness. Forgiveness opens. Unforgiveness closes. May we be open this morning to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. So brothers and sisters, eat of the bread and drink of the new covenant cup. May the blood of Jesus wash, cleanse, and all that he intended that to remind us of. Let it be yours this morning, amen? Praise the Lord. I'm gonna ask you, get your Bibles, get your writing utensils, get your computer, Get your phone, like I've been using my phone a whole lot more, to get into the Word and take notes. And we're going to go into the Word. Would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to talk to you today again. This is going to be our third installment of this topic, the voice of the shepherd in tough times. And um, I'm afraid to say this is the last. It may be the last, but we'll see what God has to say. And um, I hope you can receive this morning with an open heart. Let's read the text, and then we'll expand on it like we always do. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and calling to him a child he put him in the midst 
of them. And said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. Well, wow, that's pretty serious talk. We've learned in this series how much the shepherd loves his sheep. And I'm thanking God for this series because it really opened some things up for me and my own role as an under-shepherd of God's people and how serious God takes this role. We have learned that his expectation is to hear is for us to hear his voice. That's what we've learned. We've also learned he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep by name. Without the shepherd's voice, we're lost. And that's the bottom line. Without his voice, we are lost. And thank God we have it. We're lost in a world trying to figure this world out. And thank God, we don't have to try to figure it out. He's with us, helping us and guiding us. And if we listen to him carefully and follow his voice, full disclosure about not only the things around us, but about our own heart is inevitable. You don't walk in truth or you don't walk with the truth, who is Jesus, and not discover truth. Let me say that again. You don't walk with the truth, who is Jesus, and you not discover truth, especially the truth about yourself. But you got to be ready to handle what he wants to say to you. And here he is saying something in the text to these disciples. So Jesus is, in fact, walking his disciples through a process. And here's the process. Salvation, sanctification, glorification. I'm going to say it again. You say it with me. We are saved through salvation. We are being saved right now through sanctification. And we shall be saved when we reach eternity in glorification. We will see the finality of our experience as we are glorified and receive our glorified bodies. So what we see in Jesus is how he has a vision for each one of his followers and how carefully he walks us through and into his vision. He has the confidence that whatever he's placed or whatever is placed in his hands, even a life, he can preserve it, but along the way, he must bring alignment to it. Because there has to be alignment between his kingdom vision and the vision we've had for ourselves. And his vision also for his followers. So the text is an object lesson. The text is an object lesson of Jesus walking his disciples through an important stage of their own growth and development. Realize these men 
come from all stages of life. There were some tax collectors from the lowest, the bottom of the barrel of the community to those who were fishermen, just some hardworking guys. And he calls these people to himself. He's got a plan. Every person God calls, he has a plan for their life. He even has a plan for those who won't answer the call. But thank God you didn't harden your heart in the day you heard his call. And so now you're privileged to walk in it and experience. We have heard the verse, to whom much is given, much is required. You've heard me say, you don't spend serious time with casual people. You spend serious time with serious people. And I'm not saying you discard casual people, but you have to spend serious time with people who are serious. This is serious time Jesus is spending with these young men. And Jesus is teaching the 12 who one day will replace his responsibility here in the earth and pick up where he left off. They will stand in and bring the church to a place. They will birth the church, the New Testament church. They will introduce some things to the church, but they're far from that right now. I thank God he had a vision for me. I thank God that today, and we're gonna walk through this process, how as you listen and hear and submit and yield to him, he walks you into your own destiny. There is a kingdom over which Jesus reigns. And like these disciples in the text, we all must be transformed to live in it. I'm going to say that again. We have to be transformed. Our minds, the way we think, we have to be transformed to live in his kingdom. You cannot bring the culture's ideas and, 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 and concepts into the kingdom of God. They don't fit. And so like these young men, he has to transform their thinking. And so the most important starting point for them is the most important starting point for all of us. And here it is. The inherent problem. The inherent problem with the freedom of the will God gave us is sin. Sin has convinced us everything must bend to our will. And we no longer bend to his. I need you to capture this church because this in essence is the problem. This is the chasm between us and the kingdom. The inherent problem with the freedom of the will God gave us is sin. Sin has convinced us everything must bend to our will and we no longer bend to his. This is why some of our relationships have failed. This is why some people don't get along. <laughs> this is why we even have a problem with some of the things we read in the word of God or you hear ministered from the word of God. In the text, we see clearly, we see the will of the disciples being manifested. That's what we see in the text. 
They want position and they want Jesus to make the call. Did y'all hear that? They want Jesus to bend to their will. We want Jesus to make the Who's going to be greatest? See, the question, if they were asking about God, that, was, that would have been an easy question to answer. Because we know who's the greatest in the kingdom. But no, they were talking about humanity. Who, which one of us is going to be elevated over the others? And you know this is a problem that humanity deals with. There is something about this bend in human nature that seeks to lord itself over other people. It's a bend. It's a bend in human nature. After being made in God's image, God was comfortable in de delegating dominion to those humans he created, Adam and Eve. And this is what he said. Then God said, let us make man in our image. He used that word man to represent both of them. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This is the dominion principle. This is what God gave humanity. This was his vision for humanity at the concept, at the inception of humanity's existence. Let humanity have dominion over what I created. I will live through them. They will exercise delegated authority over what I've created and they will respond to this earth the way I would if I were there physically. But a problem happened. See, human dominance entered with the fall of humanity. And it has devastated humanity. And this has been the pervasive spirit that has plagued humanity since its beginning. And we see it clearly in the text. These are just a few manifestations of this pervasive spirit revealed in human history. Let me give you just a few. The transatlantic slave trade and its continued oppression of people of color in nations all over the world. Hitler's extermination of millions of Jewish people. Today, one political party lording Exercising dominion over another. You have husbands dom dominating wives. You have wives dominating their children. We got 1% of the world exercising dominance over the rest of the world. Did y'all hear me? This is God's dominion principle perverted by sin. The very pervasive spirit of this sin in humanity. This attitude and spirit is also in the Lord's church. These men are not aware of it in themselves. And here they're trying to reintroduce it. Notice what I said. Reintroduce it into God's kingdom. God wasn't having it. Because the first time that thing introduced itself, he kicked it out. 
So they're not even aware of it themselves. They're not even aware of it themselves. They want to introduce into God's kingdom some, some pervasive spirit of dominance that, that has been already manifested and removed. It's called this, folks. This is what it's called. It's called preeminence or primacy. Status, distinction, or superiority. Status, distinction, or superiority. I believe God is addressing this spirit right now. I believe he's using this crisis. He's doing it right now in the midst of this crisis. And God is doing it first with his church. The very question, who will be greatest in the kingdom, is a quest for superiority. We have seen in God's church empire builders. We have seen in God's church people who lord power over other people. We have seen this, this pervasive spirit in the house of God, and God is tired of it. And he's going to eradicate his house. Because he said, my house, I said, my house will be a house of prayer for all people. And so this attitude doesn't have any room in the kingdom. And so to think in our society, and please hear what I'm saying this morning. To think in our society that we can change this. We can change this spirit by educating people. That we can change this spirit through some social action. That's a fallacy and a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus is pointing you to the change this morning. This is how you change it. You become like a child. It's a metaphor directed at these adults. And he's pointing these adults, these men that would follow him. He's pointing them to the innocence of a child. This is the spirit you need to take on. How a child is dependent on its father. How children have this wonderful teachability about them. You can pour into them. They believe what you say. Jesus saying, this is the heart that I need. This is the heart that's going to make it in the kingdom. The only answer to this issue is this kind of heart. The heart of a child. Let the children teach you this morning. In this current crisis we're dealing with. The entire world has been turned into children. And we've reached our level of incompetence. It's called the Peter Principle. Every person has their own level of incompetence. Well, the whole planet is incompetent right now. We need the Father to intervene. We need the Father to rescue us. We need the Father, his words, to lead us through this morass. We need the Father. And the Father has our attention like he never had it before. Some of us who come into Christ, even through this, will realize how much they need the Father.
And so Jesus is walking them through a sanctification process, just like we are going through today, by purging their minds. He's adjusting their thinking to his kingdom so that they, when they are ready to represent it, they can represent it properly. Sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the process of God's grace in which the believer is separated from sin and dedicated to God's righteousness. Look at it. It says it's a process. You go through a process. Everybody is in the process. Say it with me. It is a process. It's what sanctification is. So don't look down on your brother or your sister. Yes, we should all be growing over a period of time, but it's still a process. Process. And Jesus brings a child in front of them so they can see the acceptable character of the kingdom. Who would have ever thought that it would require a child to teach me how to enter God's kingdom? And unless we learn to embrace humility, a modest opinion of ourselves, and cease being envious at one another, drop our contentions about primacy and preeminence, and our ambitious views of one being greater than the other, he said, you won't be entering this kingdom. He said it this way in the text. He said, truly, as a matter of fact, he said it twice in, 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 in this chapter, Matthew. I say to you, unless you turn, listen, turn and become. Turn and become. Turn and become. That's going to be key for us in a minute. Like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you do what? Turn, say it with me, turn and become. Two key words. Now, in Luke's version of the same story, Luke, who was a physician, he gets into a little bit more detail. If you go to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, I'm going to put it up on the screen. The disciples are having the same conversation, but Luke extracts something a little more. He, he sees it a little more differently. The disciples, their conversation is revealed. The pride inherent in the conversation is revealed. So the disciples were walking in pride, something antithetic to the nature of Jesus, and Jesus hates pride. It was so bad in Luke's version, Jesus had to say this to Peter because Peter was caught up in it. And this is what he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That what might not fail? His faith might not fail. And when you have, there's that word again, turned again and strengthened your brothers. And when you, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. 
How come Satan singled Peter out of the whole group? Because of Peter's value and influence to the group. You know, sometimes Satan, and hear what I'm about to say, we are all tempted and we are all come under certain attacks. But there is sometimes people, he knows their value to the kingdom and his attack on them is different. Jesus called Peter by his pre-Christian name intentionally and he said it twice Simon Simon whenever Jesus used words twice in the text no he's trying to place emphasis on something you know Jesus's words Satan was not asking <laughs> y'all you hear me he didn't ask Satan has demanded when you demand something, that means it belongs to me. <laughs> Satan has demanded, and he's justified in doing it because he found something that belongs to him in Peter's heart. I like what Jesus said somewhere in the scriptures, and I can't think of the verse right now. He said, he cometh after me, but he finds nothing in me. That was powerful. Well, he found something in Peter. And he might be finding something in your life today. He looks for things that belong to him, like pride. And Satan wasn't asking, he was demanding. So this whole argument about who will be greatest in the kingdom boiled down to pride. Pride caused Satan to be ejected. And it was going to cause these young men to not enter in. And when it's found in someone's heart, he has a right to that heart. So Jesus prays for Simon's faith. You notice what Jesus said. He said, Simon, Simon, I prayed for you. <laughs> I prayed for you. And when Jesus prays for you, you can be assured his prayer is being answered. Okay? That's why he uses the word and when. Because Jesus is so sure about his prayer that while Peter is going to go through his stuff, because Peter denies Jesus, he, he, he does all kinds. They even went back fishing after Jesus had been, had been crucified. They picked up their life where they left it all. And Peter, and here, and here Peter, one of his prime apostles, one of the people that would preach to the church in the book of Acts when it was first initiated. Peter, Jesus says, I prayed for you. And when you turn. He said, I got to let Satan do what he's going to do because you gave him space. But I'm praying for you, son. And when you turn, help your brothers out encourage them and that should be a word to all of us we should be looking for our own brothers and sisters to strengthen them hallelujah and so you see Jesus's confidence and these men were converted by their belief in Jesus but they had not been converted to truth 
You know, there's a scripture that says, I wish that all men would be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So they were converted. They, they were following Jesus. But there's some truth that they needed to walk in and realize. But Jesus says, once Peter is converted, he will be strong enough to strengthen others. So what does conversion look like? This is what it looks like, folks. And he who sent me is with me. That's Jesus talking about the Father. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus is saying this is what conversion looks like when it reaches full-blown maturity. You might not always do like Jesus, but at least you can come close to your will now being yielded to God and not you trying to exercise and usurp your own will over his. That's what maturity looks like. And Jesus, notice the childlike response to his father. Whatever the father asked, he was willing to do. This is a sign of maturation. In terms of our will, we always remain like children before God. In terms of our will, even though we mature, and there's a scripture that says, you know, I wish that you would stop acting like children. Well, in this instance, this is a place you remain like children. You keep your will submitted to the Father. And as we fast forward, Jesus' prayer of faith fulfilled itself. You know Peter's story. You know the disciples' story. These men would become foundational to the kingdom. These men would become foundational to the work of God. And as we look in another verse here, Luke chapter 22, we see how Jesus concluded all of this. Again, he walked them through salvation, through sanctification. Now he's pointing them to the glory that their lives would yield because they obviously and evidently became like little children. And notice what it says to them. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Did you hear that? Jesus is pointing them to their destiny. Jesus is really prophesying over them. They go from asking who's going to be greater in the kingdom to Jesus speaking their destiny over them, which they fulfilled. And he's speaking your destiny over you, which he expects you to fulfill. This is a great time for you to tear yourself away and hear the voice of God. The sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. Another they won't follow. I give them unto eternal life and nobody can snatch them out of my hands. That's what he's saying to you today, sheep. That's what he, the Father is speaking into your life today. This is a good time. As I said before, don't waste this crisis. Make this crisis useful. 
If you're going to go through hell, you might as well come out on the other side smelling like heaven. The sign of maturation is the yielding of your will to God's. So I'm telling you, he was able to keep them. Jesus was able to keep them like he can keep anything that's placed in his hands. And he can keep your life to see that the destiny he had planned for you bears fruit. Look at what he's saying to these young men. You are those who have a stayed with me. You stayed with me in my trials. Stay with him, saints. Stay with him. He said, and I assigned to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom. We've been assigned a kingdom. And this is their specific role. They're going to sit on thrones and judge the tribes the 12 tribes of Israel who will come through that period of, of tr tremendous trial. And on the other side, the, the apostles will be judging them. And the voice of the shepherd is what gets them there. It is following what he says, like they did, that we will experience our own calling in glory. There's an assignment God has in glory. I want to hear God say, son, well done. You did good, son. Here, this is your assignment in glory. They would sit on 12 thrones in glorification. And again, he walked them through the stages. Now, the significance of the 12 thrones, I don't have the time to unpack right now. But to say it is, it is profound, the understanding of these 12 thrones. But let me say two things relative to it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, he says to the church, and the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the apostles' doctrine. So the apostles now left with us a body of teaching that we, the church, are to be fulfilling and living by. TC is a church committed to the apostles' teaching. And the second thing I want to point out is they are judges in God's kingdom, then the message of the gospel, the truth, found its way into their hearts. And it's knocking at the door of your heart this morning. But let me end with this. I like this message Bible reading. As I was thinking and meditating on what I had to share with you today, this verse just leaped into my spirit. And I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible translation. But friends, that's exactly who we are. Children of God. And that's the only, and that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is, that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him. And in seeing him, become like him. And look at what I underline here. All of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus. 
with Jesus' life as a model for our own. Hang in there. Look at his life. His life is a model for yours and mine. His life is a model for us. Stay focused. Keep your eyes fixed like a horse with blinders. Don't look to the left, to the right. Stay focused on Jesus, whose life is a model for ours. Let's pray. Hallelujah. I wonder, can you just worship with me just for a minute? Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We bless your name. We honor you, Father. We glorify you. We keep you before us, oh God. We keep your character before us, Father. We someday look forward to the inheriting of the kingdom. That's what we live for. We live to live again. Oh God, we worship you. We bless your holy name right now. We honor you, oh God. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. So Father, I pray right now for the people listening to this broadcast, people who came to church this morning online. Hallelujah, you spoke to us today. You spoke clearly to us today without ambiguity. We thank you for your word. Thank you. You love us so much that you would teach us like this. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. Hallelujah. We bless you, oh God. Hallelujah. We bless you, oh God. My soul delights in your presence this morning. My God. Hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Father. I bless you, Father. I bless you, Father. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray for the whole body of Christ. I pray for those, oh God, who, who may have veered off. I pray you lead them back this morning. I pray, God, for those who, who were once walking faithfully and became unfaithful. Make them faithful again, Lord. And I pray for those under the sound of my voice that don't know Jesus. If you've never made him Lord of your life, repeat this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for allowing me this time even to hear this word this morning to bring myself to say these words to you. I repent, Lord, and I receive what your son provided for me. 
Yes, that new covenant promise. I receive it this morning. And I apply what he gave to me to my heart. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for accepting me as your son or daughter or your child. And I receive your kingdom this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. On our website, there's a little button there that says, did you pray with pastor? Just go on there and just let us, drop us a line. Let us know that you prayed this morning with me. And just fill that card out. We want to get some things into your hand. We want to make contact with you. And even if you want us to pray for you, just go there and send us a line and let us know what you want us to pray about. God loves his church. God died for his church. And he's coming back for his church. Well, bless the Lord, TC. I hope you receive something from that. And if the house was filled right now, you'd be cheering because you know we're getting ready to honor God with our giving. Hallelujah. And we understand, like Abram understood, that it was a part of his love for God, that his gift that he brought to the Father was a, the extension the revelation of his love for the Father. So I'm going to ask you this morning, let's honor God with our giving this morning. Let's show him. Let's show him that we are in support of what he does in his kingdom. That the revelation he gave me translates into a tangible thing. Lord, I give you, you've given me something invaluable, I give you something of value to me. I gave my life for these finances. I give them, I trust them into your care that you will bless. And notice something, let me say this about giving. When we give, we give to the kingdom. We give to God. When I give, I give to the Father. I expect the Father to bless me. Yes, he uses vehicles, but I expect the Father to bless me. In the 80s, there was a terrible crisis in the body of Christ where a man named Jim Baker had fallen and people had given large amounts of money to PTL. And somebody said, it was a waste because this man abused the finances of the people. But guess what? God overrides that. When you give to God, you do not lose the blessing of your giving because you gave to God and not to a man. And that's what we do. We give to God. So TC, prepare your offering this morning, your tithe, and let's give to God. Father, we bless you and thank you for the gift and the giver. We thank you, Lord God, for all that they've contributed this morning. Bless them. Let them receive from you what only you can give. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Well, our elders going to come back and bring some announcements to you. I hope you receive from the Lord this morning. Bless the Lord. We wish to welcome everyone that may be joining TC Home Online service for the very first time. And if you would like to stay connected, please drop us an email or fill out the connect card under media at truecenter.org. Please listen to the following announcements. Our encounter, which is a ministry to our youth ages 13 and above, meet today via Zoom at 11.30. Please go on the website and click on the banner. Also, the gathering, our interactive time of Bible study of the Word on Wednesday evenings at 7.30 p.m. will also be a Zoom meeting. Our corporate prayer, which occurs Monday and Friday mornings at 6 a.m. via conference call. Also, our targeted prayer list that we have. Continue to pray for those on this list. And if you have someone that needs to be placed on the list, please contact the office via phone at 516-621-3814 or e email us at info at truecenter.org. And last but not least, our SOD ministry, which is our ministry to our singles, will occur this, Wednesday, this Thursday evening at 8 p.m. And you'll be able to go online and click on the information for our Zoom meeting. Thank you for all of these announcements. If you have questions regarding them or any upcoming events, please visit our website. Thank you and God bless. We reach the end of another service. Stay tuned in. Go to the website. Stay plugged in. Again, look forward to meeting all of you in prayer on Monday morning. And if you so choose, the Lord has placed on my heart Monday as a day of fasting. So I'm turning my plate down Monday because I believe the Lord is saying something to us corporately and I know there's some things he's saying to me personally. If you want to join me, I'll be fasting all day Monday and returning Tuesday to eating. And the Lord told me, he said, turn one of the rooms in your house into an all-night prayer meeting. So I'm going to be praying all night Monday night. There's some things I got before the Lord that I need to hear from him concerning the house and concerning direction. So I'm asking you to join me in prayer, or if you choose, join me in fasting. I know there's some things that you're dealing with probably in your own life, in your personal life. This is a good time for us to consecrate ourselves so that we can hear from God. Well, let's say this good thing before we leave today. Father, we bless you and thank you for the prayer and for the worship and for the teaching and all the things that have happened. Take it, use it, build your people's lives by it. And God, let peace rest in their homes. 
We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say this good thing. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Blessings.